who's among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And so we pointed out that he's not telling you to think poorly or lowly of yourself. He's saying not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, which would be to think that you can do it without God, that you can do it without faith, that you can do it without other people. That's the context. But the thing I really want to zero in on tonight is that it says God's dealt to every man the measure of faith. And what we can take away from that is that faith is a substance that can be measured. It's capable of releasing a spiritual force greater than any force of nature or darkness. We've also said that we often think of faith in terms of a theory or a philosophy existing in the mind. Thoughts and thinking are key factors in the overall operation of faith. But faith is first and foremost a spiritual substance, a spiritual substance. So when we says the measure of faith, you, you can, you know, measure, you can only measure things that have substance. You, you can only measure things um, that, that either have volume or, or weight or uh, length or some type of dimension. So when it says that he has given to each one the measure of faith, um, we're talking about a spiritual substance that Father God has imparted and planted in every human being. Now, um, we're going through a lot of this quickly. These are things we've been teaching on for weeks now. Romans chapter 10 and verse 10, we see this, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So the first phrase of that verse, For with the heart one believes, what we understand is that um, the measure of faith that um, is... (laughs) capable of releasing a spiritual force greater than any force of nature or darkness, it not only resides in the heart, but it works from the heart. It, 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 think of the heart like its home base, you know, where it resides, uh, where it stays, and, and the place from which it operates, the place from which it works. So um, at our house, we're blessed. We have this uh, it's not a real big backyard, but it's it's fenced in, and so um, that's Colonel's domain. You know, um, we don't put any kind of fertilizer or anything back there, and we just keep it mowed and, and nice and whatever. But it's fenced in; that's where he goes. And we have a um, you know, floodlights on the corner of the house, so at night you can you know flip those on, and he's you know it's just a it's just real convenient. Um, well, the floodlights quit working, so I thought like anybody, you know, you just need to replace the bulbs. So uh, I got up there. It, well, it turns out it. It wasn't the bulbs. The bulbs were fine. Um, the problem was with the fixture. Uh, it's, it's got the motion sensor and, and all that stuff. And I guess just probably the original one to the house, you know, so um, what the house was built in 91, 92. So it's, you know, it's, it's time for an upgrade. So, um, But, again, that's the, that's the example that I'm, I'm trying to help everyone connect with is that a lot of times when we're having, you know, some problem or issue using our faith to receive something, um, the first thing we tend to look at is the faith instead of the fixture of the heart that the faith resides in and operates in. Um, So again, in this example, um, think of the light bulb as the faith and the fixture as the heart. And we often, you know, the first thing we think about is there's a problem with the bulb. Um, But in the case of your faith, there's no problem with the faith. The problem is with the heart that the, the faith resides in. Um, now, 
Um, just a few things here. A, a perfectly good light bulb uh, will not work in a broken fixture. So we often um, look for a problem, you know, with, well, maybe this, or maybe I don't have enough faith, or maybe what have you. But if you study Jesus' teachings, uh, and this really spoke volumes to me, and I, I pray that it does to you. Um, Jesus spent far more time addressing the condition of the heart than he did addressing the faith that resides in and works from the heart. Um, I'm not saying that Jesus didn't talk about faith, but even in the context where, where he taught on faith or corrected people who were having issues with faith, it was always something to do with their heart that was preventing their faith from doing what their faith could have um, otherwise uh, done or um, accomplished. And on more than one occasion, Jesus pointed to a hardened heart and a lack of understanding as the reason why faith and the Word were not producing results in a person's life. So in Matthew 13 and 15, I'll put that verse on the screen as well, I'm trying to run through all this quickly so we can kind of settle in for our, our you know, last bit of time together. Um, I got some, some stuff I think is really going to help you connect um, with this. Uh, but Matthew 13 and 15, Jesus speaking, he says, For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Now, I don't know if, if, you know, how familiar you are with this verse, but this passage is found in the middle of um, the most important parable Jesus ever gave to us. And it's the parable of the sower. And, and we know that Jesus gave the parable. And then the disciples asked him about the parable. And he said these words. And then he explained the parable to them. And this particular parable, again, um, it, it deals with the condition of a person's heart. And how that heart receives the word of God. Um, we know that in... The, the seed of God's word, that it's incorruptible. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, and so if we're getting different results, it has to be an issue with the soil as opposed to an issue with the seed. So this is, when Jesus says these words, it's, it's I mean, he could have said them anywhere throughout his earthly ministry, but it's the strategic location that we find them in that I think uh, adds even more uh, emphasis to them. So what he's talking about here, and, and we've gone through this, we spent almost an entire sermon on this, but what we're seeing here is, is a, let's just call it a progressing problem, all right? So we see, first of all, and this is, I guess, the, the, the rubber meeting the road, um, we see that people are failing to understand because they have a hardened heart. So Certainly the problem is the hardened heart, but, you know, it wouldn't be nearly as bad a problem as if you could still understand with a hardened heart, right? So what, what we're really talking about here is the ability to understand. And because their hearts are hardened, they, they didn't have the ability to understand um, what they needed to understand in, in order to uh, operate the way, um, you know, they were created and designed uh, to operate. So... We see then that the hardened heart was because of a difficulty hearing, a difficulty hearing. 
And the difficulty hearing was because their focus and interest was on other things. And so I've used this a few times now, but um, I had an urgent email. I'm returning the email, and I hear Pam say, can't you hear him talking to you, honey? And it was Oliver talking to me. But because I was focused on one thing, my ears became dull of hearing what was going on around me. And so this is what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about people who've closed their eyes to him and to spiritual things and have set their hearts and their their focus on other things, which has made them dull of hearing, which has caused their hearts to be hardened, which has um, caused them to be unable to understand. And so um, remember, we must beware of losing interest in the things of God. That's been burning in me. I mean, I've I've been everywhere I've had an opportunity to say something. I've been saying that right there. Um, Because I think that's one of the the, um, uh, fallouts, the aftermath that Satan is hoping to gain from this whole COVID thing. Is, you know, a year of lockdown, a year of this, a year of that. Where a lot of people, you know, who, you know, a year ago were very interested in the things of God. Um, Now a year later... Uh, it's been very easy to sleep in on Sunday morning. It's been very easy to catch you on the flip side, you know, later this week, Pastor Mark, or, you know, what have you. And and if we're not careful, we lose interest in the things of God. And when we lose interest in the things of God, it, it doesn't mean that we just don't have interest in anything. What we're talking about here is a shift in our interest. So if we're, if we're no longer interested in the things of God, we have to ask ourselves, what are we giving that interest, that attention um, to in our lives? But here's the good news. Amen. Faith will flourish in an understanding heart. Faith will flourish in an understanding heart. Okay, now, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, and we'll begin at verse number 45. Mark chapter 6 and verse number 45. Jesus has just um, performed an amazing miracle. I mean, I know we're familiar with this miracle because we, we heard about it, we've read about it perhaps um, we've certainly talked about it around here, but I remember in, in, you know, growing up in Sunday school and stuff, you know, just teaching us about Jesus feeding the multitudes. You got to keep in mind, though, that this, the disciples just experienced this. They just participated um, in this miracle. Um, Jesus broke the bread, handed it to them, and they fed the crowds. And, and so it's been a beautiful day. It's been, it's been a long day. And, and Jesus says, look, guys, I'll, I'll take care of the, the, you know, dismissing the crowd. I need to spend a little time with my father. Uh, so you guys go get in the boat and cross over to the other side. And so that's what happened. Immediately, verse 45, it says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, um, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up, into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure, and they marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. Okay, now, um, at first it may seem like I'm reading more into this than is here, 
But Mark's gospel is not the only gospel that contains this account. And, and what we know about this is that when they saw him walking on the water, that um, it, it, it was a come apart. Uh, they, they literally panicked. Um, when it says they cried out for fear, um, this literally means that they were screaming in terror. Okay, And it's because of the superstition that they had. Um, remember, these, a lot of these men, not all of them, but a lot of them were fishermen. They had spent a lot of time on the water. Um, there's, you know, fishermen can be some of the most superstitious people. I guess we all, if we're not careful, can be prone to that. Um, but just, a, I mean, from lucky hats to whatever, you know. And, um, and so the idea that this was a ghost, that meant, you know, like an omen to them that, that they were fixing to perish, that they were actually seeing a ghost that had died at sea and that they were next, okay? And so when we talk about our understanding, um, we're talking about how we assess a situation and how we process uh, the information that, or the situation that's going on around us. Um, this is, I know that we've, you know, been here already for a little while, but I, I feel like I'm going to be able to present it to you tonight the best I've been able to present it to you yet, okay? So don't think, well, he's just going to say what he's already said. No, no, hear me out, please. Um, Paul said there was a time when he understood as a child. That meant he looked at things in a childish way. That, that meant that he, um, you know, when he was trying to make a decision, he did it like from the perspective of a child. He, he assessed it as someone who was immature, um, someone who was ignorant. Uh, but he said, when I became a man, I put away childish things, which meant now he's processing uh, things that he's experiencing, situations that he finds himself in, especially when it comes to difficulties and challenges and obstacles in his way. You know, how you assess the information and how you process it has everything to do with where you're going to wind up when the dust is settled, okay? Either victory or um, defeat. And so I want you to consider for a moment, and I, I took a little liberty here because I know them because I know me. In other words, it's, it's, it's easy for us to, um, uh, to talk about other folks, not so much ourselves, all right? But I don't know about you, I, I can relate uh, to these disciples because, you know, there are times, even to this day, it, it happened to me not uh, just a few weeks ago um, when the Lord laid it on my heart to, to give some money uh, and uh, uh, kind of above and beyond what Pam and I are already doing and what the church is already doing, you know, and I was like, whew, okay, you know. And, uh, but then it was like the Lord, you know, is like, you know, have you not been listening to yourself on Wednesday night? You know what I'm saying? Um, but because what happened, see, we, we, how we understand something determines how we assess and process. And I, I wish I had the time. I don't think I'm going to have the time tonight to do it, though. But I wish I had the time where you can see in another place where Jesus brings this whole situation up again. This time they're in a boat and, and he asks them about bread. And, and we see that they go into this processing and assessing, right? And they think that Jesus is talking about them not having any food to eat and they're all going to go hungry. And this is what Jesus said to them. I'll just mention it here. If we have time to look at it later, we will. He says, why do you always reason because you have no bread? So think about what he's saying here. He's saying that when they engage their reasoning, which is 
you know, the, the mechanism of their understanding that the conclusion they always come to is lack. The conclusion they always reach is there's not enough. In other words, go back to all the crowds, right? Jesus says, you guys need to feed them. They're like, we couldn't feed these people if, if we had, uh, you know, $17,000. Uh, and even if we had the money, where would we buy that much bread out in the middle of nowhere? Notice their reasoning, right? Um, there's a bunch of people. A bunch of people require a bunch of food. In order to get a bunch of food, you've got to go somewhere to buy a bunch of food. We don't even have enough money to buy that food. If we had the money to buy that food, um, there would be nowhere for us to buy that food. In other words, notice, every way they reasoned it, every way they supposed it, right, every way they assumed it, they came to uh, the, the simple conclusion of, of lack, in other words, their, their minds worked. Yeah, here's another way. Your understanding is how your mind worked. And the way their minds worked, um, they always reasoned themselves into poverty. They always reasoned themselves into not having enough. They always reasoned themselves into coming up short. They always reasoned themselves into not being able to do whatever the situation at hand called for. This is understanding. Okay? This is a person's understanding. And of course, in here, in this situation, their understanding is broken because their hearts are hardened. They're not understanding things the way Jesus understood them. I said this two weeks ago. I'll say it again tonight. It's clear that Jesus understood things in a way other people around him didn't, but he wanted us to understand it and see it the way he understood it. So let me give you just uh, an example here of how I think the, 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 the reasoning or the the understanding, the assessing and processing the situation that the disciples were in, I think that it probably went something like this. Now, some of this is going to be thoughts in their heads, in their hearts, okay? And some of this is going to be things that, as they're thinking about it, they probably, you know, every now and then they're saying something and somebody else is saying something. And, and what you've got to be careful of here is who you surround yourself with, right? Because it, it's one thing for you to be operating from your own understanding, okay? Um, but then if you're not careful, other people and the way other people see it and understand it will not only influence the way you understand it, but they will compound, uh, the, the, you know, as, as your understanding takes you uh, further and further away from a position of faith, okay? So somebody in the boat either thought or said something like this, oh, man, the wind's really picking up. And then somebody on the boat probably said something or thought something like this. I knew it was a mistake to get in this boat. Come on now, you ever been there? I knew it was a mistake to get in this boat. We should have stayed put until the morning. Man, what was I thinking? I didn't feel like rowing a boat after such a long day anyway. I'm really scared now. Our best boating skills are no match for this powerful storm. I know lots of people who've lost their lives in a storm far less than this. If something doesn't change, we're not going to make it. Where is Jesus when we need him? Then all of a sudden, I don't know if it was... Lightning, I don't know, because it's dark, obviously, out on the water. Do you guys see what I'm seeing? 
Are my eyes playing trick on me? Playing tricks on me? Something's coming toward us on the water. It's a ghost. A ghost? A ghost? Look, it's a ghost. I've heard about things like this, but I didn't know they were true. This is terrible. This is an omen. What are we going to do? I can't believe this is how our lives are going to end. The ghost is getting closer. That's what's going on, right? And then next came their terror-filled, panic-stricken screams, crying out in fear, crying out in desperation. One, one definition has, it, it, it says they were shouting out against. Okay? I imagine they were about to capsize that boat because the ghost is coming this way. They're trying to get away from it. You leave us alone. Get away from us. That's, they were shouting out at it. That's right, man. That's good. See what I'm saying? No, not today. Just hollering, screaming, carrying on. Grown men. Grown men. Jesus says, cut that out. It's me. Cheer up. Right? Again, if you've ever been on the water at night and dark, are you hearing me? So then the Bible says that Jesus gets in the boat. Did I read that part already? Then he is still on the screen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. That verse 52, for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. In other words, the experience with the loaves should have brought an understanding in their heart that would have created a different situation that they experienced on that water. But although they experienced a miracle just you know, not even 10 hours ago um, of, of unimaginable, um, you know, I mean, it's just phenomenal what they experienced. But that, that miracle that they participated in had absolutely no bearing on how they processed challenging situa- the next challenging situation that they experienced. Okay, you still with me? So, I don't, I don't want to confuse you on this, but I'm, I'm, please, I'll put it up on the screen. That might be the easiest, okay? The way your heart understands determines the direction your reasoning leads. You see, we often desire conclusions our reasoning will never take us to. Again, faith, faith is is in you to give you victory over these situations. 
And there's not a person in this room listening to me right now that enjoys losing. And so we, we, we desire a, a certain outcome. We, we desire a financial breakthrough. We, we desire, um, you know, to, to overcome some physical you know, condition or, or illness or sickness. We, we desire for our families to be restored. It's all these things that we desire that the faith inside our heart is more than capable enough of producing. But the problem is not with the faith. The problem is, is, is with the heart and, and, and specifically in so many cases, is, it's with the way the heart understands. Because the, the, the heart, as, it, as, as the understanding functions and as the reasoning functions, it, it's not a static thing. It, 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 it carries you to a conclusion. It says they supposed he was a ghost. You don't come to a supposition. You don't come to an assumption. You don't come to a conclusion without without processing and assessing and processing and assessing but so what was wrong here was the way they processed and assessed which which meant that's their, that's your understanding we desire conclusions our reasoning will never take us to now i'm going to come back to these disciples but let me i i'm just in an effort again to try so we'll step outside this and let me let me give you another example okay I don't know about you, but I, I like getting new things, okay? So <clears throat> watch, watch the reasoning here. Watch the understanding and how quickly it can carry you from one place to another place and the place you wind up in being a place of error, okay? So I think me, like you know everybody, we like getting new things, okay? Why do we like getting new things? Because when we get new things, it makes us happy, Okay? Right? So, um, money is how I get new things, right? So, money must be the key to happiness. Therefore, pursuing money should be the top priority in my life. See, see how the, the reasoning has, does, does, do you get, does, is there anything wrong with being happy from getting something new? no. But if we, if we think that the only way to be happy is to get something new and the only way to get new things on a consistent basis is to have money and the only way to get money is you follow. So was, that's what I mean by reasoning or understanding is not a static thing. So how you understand. So by trying to show you what I think went down in the boat that night, was how their reasoning took them from doing what Jesus told them to do to literally screaming and hollering at what they thought was a ghost coming at them. Um, listen, I, don't, I know some people like to hide and scare folks and all that stuff. Please, if you love me, don't do me that way. I don't, I don't like to scare people. I don't like for people to scare me, okay? Um, I, I, I love my darling daughter. When she was a teenager... She hid behind a sign in Gatlinburg, and I can still turn funny and feel it in my back. It's, she scared me so bad. But, and she's apologized a thousand times, and so I don't mean to bring up something I've already forgiven her for, but I'm just not a big fan of that, right? But, but you know, it's with the advent of the Internet and YouTube, you know, there's all the, all the time, you know, there's all these different pranks that people play, you know, scaring folks, you know. And, and so if you've ever seen any of those, that, that's kind of what was going on in the boat that night. I mean, these folks, these disciples were absolutely 
losing their minds over this. I mean, carrying on and screaming and hollering, right? Now, pay close attention. Pay close attention to what their understanding did to their measure of faith. The wrong understanding on their part smothered their faith, making it a non-issue in this situation. See? I mean, the faith that was in them to overcome all of this was being smothered, not because that measure of faith wouldn't do what, you know, have faith in God, have the faith of God. The, The measure of faith that was in them could have parted that water and they could have carried the boat across okay but the circumstance and the situation and how they assessed and processed it their understanding of it 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 negated their faith it neutralized their faith now how different would this situation have been if they had understood about the loaves What did Jesus want them to understand about the loaves in the first place? That with God all things are possible. What did he tell them over and over again? All things are possible to him who believes. Nothing's impossible to him who believes. Right? What did Jesus want them to understand about the loaves? He wanted them to understand that not only was he cool, that that he could cast out a demon and and he could do those kinds of miracles, but he could also do, as, as, as they said of Paul, special miracles, unique miracles. I mean, he could, he could make a clay eyeball out of, out of mud and put it in a man's eye and create an eyeball, right? He could do those kinds of things. So much so that if, they had, if their understanding had been affected by the loaves, they would have gotten into that boat with the attitude of, I can't wait to see what he's going to do next, right? But that was not their attitude. That, that was not their understanding, okay? But what if, what if they had understood about the lows? How would that have went down um, uh, differently in the boat, okay? Well, so here, let's, let's go back into the boat together and eavesdrop. Are you with me? Okay. So somebody maybe would have thought or said something like this. Uh, this situation is kind of getting serious. Uh, if I'm to be honest with you, I've spent a lot of time on the water, but I'm, I'm not sure I've ever tried to row a boat in this much wind. But if I learned anything today, I learned nothing's impossible for those who put their faith in God. Besides, Jesus loves us and values us so much, he would never have told us to get in this boat and go to the other side if we weren't going to make it. Hey, guys, look. (laughs) Check it out. Here comes Jesus to help us. And wait for it. Wait for it. He's walking on the water. (laughs) Silly me. I thought I'd seen it all yesterday when he fed those thousands of people with that little boy's lunch. Can't wait to see what he does next. You know, he did include each of us in that last miracle. I wonder if we could get in on this one as well. Hey, Jesus, walking on the water is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Can we get out there with you? Instead of terror and panic-filled screams, 
There would have been joy, celebration, cheers, excitement, high fives all around, laughter, pointing fingers. Check him out. I mean, act, I don't know if you saw the. Um, there's a there's a player on Alabama's uh, basketball team. I don't I don't think he got in the game at all the other night. But he was over on the sideline, man. Every time they would shoot a three, he was giving it this. I mean, he was all that right. That's what, been, that's what would have been going on in that boat. They would have been celebrating like one of their teammates just scored uh, a touchdown uh, to win the, the national championship. I can almost picture one of them saying, Hey, Jesus, come give us a little push. Now, the other side of this coin is, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. When Jesus got in the boat and the wind ceased. In other words, this this was where their true understanding, I think, was revealed. If anything, even more so than when they thought he was a ghost, and we're filled with terror. Now he gets in the boat and the wind just, and that sea is as calm and as flat as it can be. Doesn't say it, but it wouldn't surprise me if just a little wind was pushing him now. And then they were shocked. They, they, they were absolutely um, flabbergasted. You see, their lack of understanding caused them to fear what they should not have been afraid of And their lack of understanding caused them to be surprised to the point of shock at what what they should not have been surprised by. Think about that for a minute. If you just watched a man take a little boy's lunch and feed, I don't know, 15,000 people, should you have just been blown out of your mind that the wind stopped? I mean... See, but again, it's their understanding. They're afraid of things they shouldn't be afraid of, and they're shocked by things they shouldn't be shocked by. Last thing, and we'll pick it up here next week, okay? You can stand with me. Praise God. Here is, here is a really important point, okay? And I'm going to leave you with this so you can think about it, right? Your understanding determines your ability to conceive. Okay. To conceive. What does conceive mean? Conceive means to form a mental image of something that is not present or has not yet happened. Are you with me? To conceive means to form a mental image of something that is not present. It's not right there in front of you. And it hasn't happened yet. But if you can conceive it, that means you can see it happening. You can see it coming to pass. You can picture it coming. Remember, the Bible says Abraham received Isaac raised from the dead in a figure. He already saw Abraham, Abraham already saw Isaac raised from the dead when he was going up onto the mountain there to sacrifice him to God. He already conceived it, right? Okay, so conceive means to form a mental image of something that is not present or has not yet happened. So let's go back to it. Your understanding determines your ability to conceive. 
See, they couldn't conceive of Jesus walking on the water because they didn't understand the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. The loaves should have given them a clue, not to mention all the other things they'd seen him do, that this guy, you know, just get ready. It's going to be, it's going to be a whole lot of fun from here on out or whatever he's going to pull next, right? But no, no, no. See, they couldn't conceive that the man who fed all those people with a little boy's lunch could walk on water. And then they couldn't conceive after he walked on water and got in the boat that he could make the wind stop. Okay? Now why is this important? You cannot believe what you cannot conceive. (laughs) How How can you believe what you can't conceive? So do you see how understanding is a part of this? Think of all the things, and I'm not trying to throw you into some uh, fit of regret or whatever, but just think of all the things we can conceive. Think of all the things, you know, we can conceive of tornadoes. We, we've seen what they do. We, you know, we can conceive of, of, of negative things and bad things. Never mind how many times the Lord's protected us. Never mind how many times He's brought us through. Never mind all the things He's done for us, all the times He's, he's saved us alive and all these other this stuff, right? It's just, now we're facing another crisis. Oh, you, you know how so many people just shaking their boots, biting their fingernails, all this stuff. What are we going to do? Just tormented by this. Acting like God's never done a single thing for them. Acting like God's never been there for them. Acting like God's never helped them a single time. It's because they, they, their hearts hardened, understanding. They don't understand. Your understanding determines your ability to conceive, and you cannot believe what you cannot conceive. Father, we love you. Thank you for helping us this evening. Thank you for teaching us and revealing your truth and your wisdom to us, Lord. Father, we, we, we're not here to, I'm not here to beat myself up, not here to beat anybody up, Lord. This isn't about making us feel bad and guilty, Lord. It's, it's about helping us, Father, and helping us see, Lord, the, the, the things in our, in our lives and the, in the, and the way we look at things, the way we understand things, the way we process information, and, and, and how if, if, if that's off, Lord, it'll carry us somewhere we don't want to be. Lord, unlock our understanding the way you unlocked your disciples' understanding, Lord. Help us see things the way you see them. Help us understand things the way you understand them. Lord, you, Jesus, you never saw an impossible situation. And, and even if there was nothing to eat, you still saw everybody there having more to eat than perhaps they'd ever had a single day in their lives. It's because of the way you understood things, Lord. Father, thank you for your hand upon us again. We just speak to this foul weather. We command it to cease and desist in Jesus' name. Father, we, ha- we have an image of ourselves, Lord, as you are, so are we in this world. And, and Jesus, we have no problem believing that you can speak to a tornado. And so greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Thank you, Father, that a week ago when 25 tornadoes romped through this state, Lord, you protected every one of our members of the, this family of faith. And Lord, I thank you that you're protecting us again. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Tell somebody around you good things coming. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. We love you. Your faithfulness is a blessing to us. Praise God. You be blessed.